Welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on how Buffy has matured since its premiere in 1997. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Stephanie, the time has finally arrived. Mm. We have finished season one Mm. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. Before we dive into season two next week, though... We are going to review season one as a whole and discuss the highs and the lows. We're going to talk about the monsters. We're going to talk about the character development. We're going to talk about listeners' reactions as they watched with us Mm -hmm. and as they listened to the podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get into it. The first thing I want to know from you, Steph, Mm -hmm. because you have told us throughout our rewatch here that you don't remember much about season one Mm -hmm. because you haven't watched as much as you have the other seasons. So I want to know, from this rewatch, has your opinion of season one changed much? It has. It has changed. So I usually, and I think a lot of people do this as well, I usually just start with Prophecy Girl. No, sorry, that's a lie. I start with Angel. <laughs> yes, then, I, I would expect that. <laughs> then I skip to Prophecy Girl. Then I start season two. And that's how I used to watch it because I just didn't think season mm-hmm. one had a, anything I needed from it. But now that you and I have deep dived into season one, it is a very nice development in a very innocent time of the series. It's just really nice to see how some characters develop so nicely other ones not so much just in our current context of looking at the show so season one definitely feels different to me now certain episodes like out of mind out of sight and nightmares like the episodes leading up to the end of the season definitely hit differently this time around Mm-hmm. On then my next rewatch will i do the same thing i always did which is go angel prophecy girl continue on Probably, <laughs> probably, <laughs> but I'm glad that we did it this way around. What about you? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I, I want to kind of address the first time watchers who are listening to our podcast. And if you haven't already gone on and started watching season two without us, rude. Um, <laughs> what do you, you, they don't want to wait two years? If you're being loyal and you're waiting, um, <laughs> you know, it gets a lot better. And we've been really harsh on certain aspects of the show so far, which we'll talk about later in this episode. But the sh- like the show does get better as a whole, and we're going to continue to be critical of things we need to critique. But you know, watching season one, we're doing it because we love this show, right? Like you're not going to watch season one of Buffy unless you're really interested in diving into this show because it has not aged as well as some of the other seasons, I would say. Mm. So I do enjoy watching season one. I think it has some really good episodes. Like you were just saying, maybe episodes that hold up more than we thought they did. Yeah. Um, and I also think some of the episodes don't hold up very well, but I, those ones were less surprising to me. So let's talk about just what episodes stand out for you 
with only 12 episodes i don't think we can really like say like best worst like i know your best is angel that's that's a good yeah um, yeah but like of these 12 episodes right if you just had to pick a couple like what would be the ones that you would really like point to for whatever reason mm-hmm. whether it's because they're really good or because they really stink well if i was crafting a list of the most important mm-hmm. episodes to watch for the overall series for somebody who's mm-hmm. never watched and i could only pick a handful from each season so for this mm-hmm. season one i would definitely pick the pilot i would pick never kill a boy on the first date episode five yes i would pick angel and then i would pick prophecy girl I agree. Those are the four. Yeah. So never, never kill a boy on the first date stands out to me. Um, if I had to pick a favorite episode other than Prophecy Girl, it might be that one, mm. because I feel like that's the fifth episode of the season. That's where Buffy gets good. Yes. And I think I mentioned this in our recap of that episode. Um, you know, like no shade on Welcome to the Hellmouth and the Harvest. Like those are those are good openers, but they've got their roughness, like every first couple of episodes does. Mm-hmm. Episode five, though, like how many TV series in the first season, especially coming in as a mid-season replacement with only 12 episodes, how many TV series in this era nail it on the fifth one? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and we see all the dynamics. We see Giles being overprotective and doing what he shouldn't do as a watcher. We see, you know, Willow and Xander being Willow and Xander. Uh, we see Angel being a useless fuckboy. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. <laughs> um, and uh, we see Buffy realizing that she can't have a normal dating life while also being the Slayer. It's it's a really good episode yeah, for what it, it is. it's putting in that whole uh, dynamic of Buffy having her teenage years versus her slayer years and they're they're not meshing well in her life and that's how she's mm-hmm. dealing with it which is the show in a nutshell so you had said it in that episode if you're going to take the fifth episode as the entry point to the series that's a good one to choose because it is it encompasses everything the show is trying to show us and will show us to come mm-hmm. uh, i don't think angel should ever be skipped in season one because sure i agree angel as a character is going to be super important to Buffy. He already mm-hmm. is, but he's going to get even more important. And this sets that up. For the record, I I don't have a lot against Angel. <laughs> if it sounds like I'm uh, opposing Angel here, I'm just trying to balance out <laughs> Steph's incredible amount of Angel standing, because if we both stand Angel, this podcast would be incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> So you're welcome, listeners. Yeah. Um. <laughs> There's only room for one on this podcast, and it's going to be me. Uh, but then, obviously, Prophecy Girl is a really great episode, too, because that, that directly sets up the first episode of season two anyway. Yes. So, yeah, like those are, in, to, in my opinion, those are the best episodes of the season. All, interestingly mm. enough, vampire-based episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, that's something that Buffy never really gets away from in terms of you know, especially as the series goes on, the vampires cannot always be the bad guy because that's going to get boring. So the show does branch out, which I think is good overall. Mm. And they try to do that in this season and it doesn't work very well. (laughs) I would say that the non-vampire episodes tend to be the weaker ones. Yeah. Um, and, And for me, the standout episode, the worst episode of the season has to be the pack Mm. because of the 
uncomfortable nature of Xander's animalistic rapiness, <laughs> as well as like just the racism behind the whole legend of the hyenas and the primals and all of that. Yep. It, it's a really, it's just a bad and an uncomfortable episode. And I like that it takes a lot to unseat Teacher's Pet as the worst episode of the season, <laughs> yep. but they managed to do it. They taught themselves. Well, here's the thing. So I, I, if I had just watched these episodes thoroughly, but you and I hadn't discussed them, I would be very inclined to pick I, Robot, Eugene as the worst episode of the season because I just wasn't interested in in the technology aspect of it Mm -hmm. all. I just didn't care. But it's so interesting because as you and I discussed that episode, it's actually one of my favorite conversations that we've had so far out of the 12 Uh conversations that we've had. And that's because just talking it out and dissecting it was such mm-hmm. a joy it turned me to the other side and i will add that uh sunny from instagram hi sunny she said that she considers i robot you jane a guilty pleasure of 90s tech cheese and it's her favorite of that season yeah i agree with that evaluation yeah and at first i was like really but then as we watched it I was like, no. But then as you and I discussed it, I was like, actually, there's so much to take from this episode. There's a lot to discuss. Also, you love Moloch oh, and he loves you. The breakout star of season one was Moloch <laughs> the Corrupter. I'm obsessed with that guy. Praise Moloch. Praise Moloch. Like, honestly, that's like my new saying. I say it wherever I, whenever I can, wherever I can. No one understands it but you. But the, the point is, is that that that, that episode where I would so have wanted to give it the worst title. It's not. It's like in the middle <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, that's great. And let me say, Steph, that I also have really been enjoying having these conversations with you. Mm-hmm. And it has also changed my perception of some things in season one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm loving doing this with you. And I'm so excited that I get to continue doing it with you for season two. I feel exactly the same way. So fun. So let, let's talk about our favorite character moments. Yes. There's so many. There's so many. Uh, we There's could so be many. here for several hours. So how about we just kind of go by character, right? Love so it. Buffy. My favorite character moment with Buffy is intertwined with Giles because their mm-hmm. their conversation in the pilot and then their conversation in Prophecy Girl. When at the, mm-hmm. you know, the pilot, she's denying her destiny. Uh, she's whining to him. That whole dynamic, and then you shoot forward 12 episodes later, what a change. What a different dynamic they have now. So those two moments in comparison are my favorite for both those characters. That That's a great way of putting it. I agree with you that the Buffy and Giles dynamic is so powerful in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my kind of my favorite Buffy moment, kind of like you, it's not like a specific moment. Mm-hmm. But it's just in aggregate, I really like uh, her kind of like silly or goofy comments. Uh, Not so much like chirping or bantering with Giles, but like I like the moments where she says something that sounds silly, but it turns out to be really smart. Mm. You know, and we see that even in an episode like Teacher's Pet, right? Like Buffy figures out it's a praying mantis pretty quickly (laughs) by looking in a book. Or... um, 
now I'm forgetting which episode it was, but the one with the three, mm-hmm. that's Angel, right? Oh, it is. Um, yeah, she she discovers the symbol, right? Yep. Uh, that's on the ring pretty quickly. Yep. <laughs> you know, kind of almost faster than Giles. So I like those moments where we realize that Buffy does have this keen intelligence to her. Yes. She's more than just the physicality of the Slayer and the pretty face, you know. She may not have the book smarts of Willow, like we've talked about in previous episodes, but she is really good at figuring shit out. Yeah. So I love that. That's my favorite parts. That's one of my favorites, too. And I've said it many times while we were reviewing season one, Buffy's smart, and I never thought of her as this type of smart before. Mm. I never thought about it before. So I love this for her from season one. Uh, my favorite Giles moment, I would have to say, is uh, at the very end of The Harvest where he's like, the earth is doomed, <laughs> right? Like they've just walked away and he's just like, what am I dealing? What am I getting myself into? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and- while we're on the topic of Giles, I did count the number of times he got hit in the head or had oh, head good. trauma. Oh, good. Yes, that was also my favorite thing about Giles. Poor guy. <laughs> head trauma. Uh, head-related injury or possible head injury. Uh, I counted, Mm -hmm. mind you, remember, I can't count at all, but I did it. There are six episodes to which he almost gets decapitated. That's 50%. gets hit in the head. He gets a concussion. Whatever. Six episodes in which he did that this season. That's 50%. You're right. (laughs) Poor Giles. Let's hope that improves in season two. Yeah. Um, so your favorite uh character moment for willow yeah so my favorite like we've talked about how willow doesn't get like her really her own episode except maybe for i robot eugene such a shame which yeah it's a travesty my favorite moment for willow comes at the end of the season when she stands up to xander because he has been treating her in the friend zone even though he doesn't like being in the friend zone with buffy so it's a little bit hypocritical xander and she stands up to him and she's like, no, I'm not going to be your fallback. I'm not going to go to the dance with you while you just make moon eyes at Buffy. And I'm just like, yes, Willow, like this is you right now. And, and I love that because she is portrayed throughout this season as a very mousy and withdrawn character. But she has some fire to her. And I know we're going to see that more as the series goes on. But that episode has her standing up to this guy that she's attracted to. And I think that's a really powerful thing. I am 100% on board with your choice. That's also my favorite moment for Willow. Because like you said, she just spent the whole season pining after Xander and being being a pushover to him and his antics. And finally, she stands up for herself. And it's wonderful to see. And you even said in Prophecy Girl, like, how much more interesting would it have been to see Willow give Buffy CPR and save the day and not Xander? And it's just really a shame that Willow didn't get her chance to shine in season one. I honestly believe that. I think that they did her dirty. They didn't give her her chance to shine and show us what Willow's about. I can't tell you besides that moment, 12 episodes later, one other huge moment where we're like willow 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 like it's all about willow (laughs) and i i hope it comes in season two i hope we get that for her um okay xander (laughs) i know we've been hard on xander he's had some okay moments my favorite moment for xander (laughs) is a moment where we see his character in a deeper way and that happens in i robot you jane when we learn that his uncle was working as a janitor 
at this technology company. As you point out in that episode, it's just such a subtle way of showing us that Xander's character comes from a working class background that is different from many of the other characters, including Buffy and Willow. And it does give us some insight into why his character is often very defensive and uses humor as his defense mechanism. He has a chip on his shoulder, you know, he has a little bit of an inferiority complex. And we can criticize that in the ways it manifests, but I thought that was an excellent type of characterization, um, you know, and it helps me feel this sympathy for where Xander's coming from. Yeah. And hopefully the writers realize that and continue on in season two as well. For me, I will say that the times that I've defended Xander, or at least given him some credit in season one, was when he came to the defense of people who are being bullied in front of him. So he Mm -hmm. defends Lance in the pack and he defends Wendell in Nightmares. And I think Mm -hmm. those are just small tastes of possible heroic behavior. From Xander Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Xander can step up and be a hero. I think sometimes his ego and his hormones Mm -hmm. get in the way. Um, Were there any other characters that we wanted to talk about? Angel. Okay. Just really quick. Just really really quick. My favorite moment with Angel was when he revealed his backstory. So easy. Just there it is. (laughs) Uh, My favorite moment with Angel is when he gets dinner in a bag from (laughs) Buffy. I must say, I really loved recording Angel. Like, there are some episodes when you go back and listen that we have a lot of energy and we came ready to talk for Angel, for sure. Yeah, that was such a fun time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to, so seriously, though, I think my favorite moment with Angel is the scene between him and Darla in his apartment. Mm. Because that's the first time we see Angel in a scene without Buffy. Yeah. And we see this dynamic between him and Darla and we learn more about their backstory and stuff. And it's just, it's such a, it's a powerful scene because he's clearly so conflicted. Right. So I really like that scene. Okay, now let's do Cordelia. Mine is the pilot. In the pilot when she blows off Jesse. So from day one, I've been Team Cordelia. I, she was my hero that episode. I just thought that was awesome. She has her boundaries that stuck with me for the last 12 episodes. So that's my favorite part moment for her. Fair. I, I, I think you picked a really appropriate moment. So I'm going to go to the other end of the season because Cordelia doesn't really get used as well as she could be, mm. kind of like Willow. But her standout episode is Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Yeah. And there's a wonderful scene where she explains to Buffy how being popular is not all it's cracked up to be and how hard she has to work, but she is ultimately very lonely. Yeah. And we see, again, this glimpse into her character that shows us she is so much more than just, you know, a a comedic side character. There's something deeper going on with her. So I really enjoy that. And Cordelia has my favorite line of maybe the whole season at this point. Uh, In Prophecy Girl, she says, man, I don't know why we put up with them. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So yeah, Cordelia is one of my favorite uh, characters in the show in terms of how she starts off and you underestimate her and she becomes so much more. Yeah. And we said in Never Kill a Boy on the First Date that Cordelia is the main character. She's 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 a main character, but she's just in the wrong show at the moment, you know? Yeah, good point. 
Yeah, and I will add right there that my favorite quote of the entire season was from Moloch the Corrupter uh, when he said, stay away from Willow, it's none of your business. <laughs> That's classic. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so next off, we are going to rank the various monster costumes or uh, appearances in the season because... You know, it was 1997. Technology wasn't what, what it is these days. Uh, and some of these costumes or the puppets or whatever are just truly <laughs> not good. And we commented on it in the episodes, but we thought at the end of the season, it would be nice to just kind of look back and rank them. So we're going to start off with the worst costume and go all the way to the best. So Steph, what is your worst costume? Praying Mantis. <laughs> I, I chose Praying Mantis from Teacher's Pet as the worst mm -hmm. costume it looks so bad it looks like mesh wiring and you don't really get a good look at it because i think it's that bad so they kept it in the dark yeah they they were wise not to show us too much but i think they still did right and i was torn between praying mantis or the hyena puppet <laughs> that's my number two that's my second worst one <laughs> Yeah, so I ranked them the same as you okay. because, because and it's kind of the reverse because I said the pack was the worst episode. But <laughs> the only reason I think the hyena pilot is slightly more redeeming than the praying mantis is because we see it even less. <laughs> and it didn't talk. <laughs> it yes, didn't play that's Eeny, a good point. Mo. Uh, yeah, so those, those are the two worst by far. Agreed. The next up, I put the harvest demon from the puppet show. Wow, we're so in sync Are so we far. Really? It seemed like such a lazy costume. Like yeah. it was just like this bodysuit. Yeah, it wasn't anything. I don't even. I barely remember it to be honest. But it was nothing. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that was our fourth, third worst. Yeah. Okay, so fourth worst. I am gonna go with um, the monster dream version of the coach from Nightmares. Um, lucky, you know, lucky nineteen. The ugly man or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like, he, it's not a terrible costume. Uh, you know, again, it's just like, other than the huge club arm, <laughs> yeah. it just kind of doesn't do much for me. I think it's a good choice of costume for the episode because it does look like a a monster sure. in a kid's dream world, yeah. right? So I, I think it's an appropriate costuming choice. It's just not a great costume overall. Yeah, I'm 100% um, agree with you. Uh, okay, so number six is the praying mantis. Number five is the hyena puppet. Number four is the harvest demon. Number three is the ugly man. Who's your number two? So my number two is going to be the vamp face. Um, you know, both the regular one and the masters. I think that's my number two. Okay. Because, uh, like, it's it's fine. It stays with us yeah. for the whole show. And, and it's, you know, it's decent. But I, I've got a different one in mind for number one who what was your number two my number two is our lord and savior moloch the corrupter <laughs> moloch was my number one you know yeah. that's it's a really good demon yes like i'm talking about the demon like in the beginning when he's actually like flesh uh the robot although i gotta say that's good craftsmanship on the Robo Moloch. And I think I said that in our recap episode yeah. because, like, they didn't have to give him the horns and stuff, but he clearly had very particular requirements and they came through. It's, well, I mean, yeah, that was like a 10 out of 10 in terms of monster costumes. Mm -hmm. I had this conversation with Rob from Instagram about how Moloch went through what seems like 
dozens of character designs during that episode to figure out what he looked like. Mm -hmm. But for sure, I I didn't put him as number one. I put Vamp Face as number one just because I do think the master looks like a bat that would have lived in the dark for a very long time. I think he pulls off fruit punch mouth very well. So that's why I chose. But you, it nice. sounds like you and I are very much aligned, as usual. Yeah, that that well, yeah, it was it was more similar than I expected, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to give a bonus, like honorable mention, yeah. to Marcy from Out of Mind, Out of Sight. <laughs> she probably had the best costume of all because we couldn't see her. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, fair enough. Uh, shout out to Marcy and shout out to Catherine the Great from Witch for her black eyes. Yes. <laughs> cool cool all right well we'll have to see what kind of monsters uh we face in season two and if there are like like does the costume get better or yeah what happens as the cg gets better <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what, what happens yeah. do they get new budget uh, so speaking of season two let's talk a little bit about what we want to see going into season two and, and obviously like you and i have seen season two before so we know what's coming oh yeah but if we are going to pretend for the moment that we're first-time viewers and all we know is season one so far, mm-hmm. what would you want to see happen in season two? I want to see Willow get a storyline. She didn't mm-hmm. really get one in season one, not the kind of developing storyline that they gave to Xander and Buffy. She was left out a little bit and I want to see her shine. I just want to see the writers give her more to do than research and pine. She can do more. We saw at Prophecy Girl that scene with Buffy in her room. Like she, Allison Hannigan is capable and ready and willing. Give it to her writers. That's what I want to see. Excellent. I agree. Mm-hmm. More Willow, stronger Willow for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in where they're going with Miss Calendar's character, mm-hmm. right? Because they introduce her later in the season, mm-hmm. um, and she she's only in a couple of episodes, but she's like a big part of Prophecy Girl. So they clearly intend to keep using her. There's, you know, an attraction between her and Giles, but it's also kind of like opposites attract because <laughs> he's the old stuffy English guy and she's the witchy techno pagan, yep. you know, uh, and younger as well. So it'll be interesting to see where that relationship goes. Yeah. Well, and, and on that topic, I would love to see more romance in season two. Uh, we only got a taste if, if Angel in Angel season one. Uh, I was about to say, was there anybody you wanted to see romance from? That, like, j- sure, Jenny and Giles for sure. But I yeah. want more Buffy and Angel. I need more Buffy well, and Angel. I need it. And it's inevitable, isn't it? Because like Angel has held himself aloof since the Angel episode yeah. for a reason. Like He's like, I can't be around her, right? And that can't last. Because that's unresolved tension. Oh, yeah. So I agree with you. I think we're going to see that happen in season two. I really hope Xander, obviously I want him to be less pervy. Um, I hope he gets over Buffy, right? Like I hope that either they give him a romance of his own or he finds something else to distract himself. Because if he's still pining after Buffy in season two, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, he <laughs> needs to. I hope that the writers help Xander redeem himself for the things he did in season one, his pervy behavior, his jealousy and his obsession. I would love to see them start Mm -hmm. correcting that in his character because again, we want to like him. He's just been dead to me since he watched Buffy change in episode five. I just hate that behavior. So please like correct it writers. I hope to see it. 
Okay, so that's a lot of discussion about the characters, uh, what we want to see from characters and stuff in season two. Is there anything you're curious about in terms of where the plot should go? Like, where should Buffy's story go? Because this is her uh, junior year, right? Mm -hmm. Like grade 11? Mm -hmm. What do we want to see in terms of villains, in terms of challenges for Buffy as the Slayer? Is she going to face like a bigger, badder vampire? Like, where do you think we could go with this? So a supernatural show like this, it's so hard to guess where they could possibly take the series and the story and everything. It's hard because like, you know, if you're watching a typical high school show, you'd be like, well, I want to see them apply to college and like whatever. For (laughs) Buffy, I want to see her relationship with her mother progress. Her mom tried Ooh, yeah. so hard in season one. Uh, she failed in a lot of ways. She succeeded in others. And I want to see that dynamic continue. And more importantly, Buffy, tell your mom. Tell your mom <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> For the love of God, yes. tell your mom. <laughs> and tell us Buffy's mom's name so tell we don't have to keep Buffy's calling her Buffy's mom's mom. mom's name. Free Buffy's mom. Yeah, um, the next bet will be how long do you think it'll be before they tell us what Buffy's <laughs> mom's name is. <laughs> Yeah, I so I want to see in terms of like plot and monsters and villains and stuff. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's hard to predict. I found this was true for m- one of my favorite shows, Supernatural, because mm. every season just like completely different, yeah. completely different big bad. Yeah. Such an interesting direction they took that show. Um, so same for Buffy. Like each season kind of has its own big bad, its own story arc. Season one was the master. Uh, so for season two, I want to see us dive more into the background of what it means to be a slayer Mm. Uh, you know we've had bits and pieces in season one i think they've done a really good job so far developing it i don't think you know i don't think they've done a bad job but you know season two is a full like 22 episodes or something so like give us more to chew on in terms of the history right Mm. like you've got angel there so like tell us more about angel's background i want to see buffy in some situations where uh, she gets beaten, like, at first, and then she has to come back because I want to see her grow, right? And we do see that in season one to some extent. Mm-hmm. We see her improve in her Slayer powers and training and stuff. But I want to see that happen in terms of, like, the overall episode of, like, oh, okay, like, I can't just punch my way out of this. <laughs> I got to regroup and we got to chat about it and we got to figure out a plan and then we can take this guy on. Yeah. I, I hope you get it. I hope that I hope that they give that to you in the next season, in the next twenty-two episodes that we're about to dive into. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's yeah. there's just so many ways that the the show can go. You and I obviously know where it's going. I do, but you know, I I don't remember all of season two off by heart. No, especially the first um, half. Like obviously. if I just look at the episode names, yeah. I can't tell you what happens in every single episode. Mm. Um, but I like I so I remember the the overall story arc, but I I definitely think I'll be surprised by things that I thought were like in later seasons or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, lots to look forward to. One hundred percent. So we're gonna close close off the episode by um, answering some listener questions and engaging with some of your comments that you've left us on our various social media channels. We're going to talk a little bit about some pushback <laughs> of a sort that Steph has been getting on TikTok. Um, and just in general, like, I know we haven't really talked about our overall reaction to season one as a, as a series yet, but that, I think that's going to come out as we talk about these comments. So on this podcast, Kara and I so often call out Xander or any male or any situation on the show that, that doesn't age well. We're coming down hard on Xander in particular because he really embodies the toxic masculinity that 
in more recent years, our culture has started calling out more obviously. Yeah. And like you would not see Xander portrayed the way he's portrayed in season one on a TV show today. So I think it's just it's so important when we're engaging with these older shows not to just make the excuse, oh, you know, it's of its time. We have to talk about this behavior and talk about how, you know, it could have influenced teenagers who were watching it yeah. back in 1997, Hel- right? Like upheld this, those values. Yeah, that's... That's the point of, you know, critique the media you love, as Feminist Frequency yeah, has said. Yeah, and you're, you're also so able to critique something you love and still have love for it. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. So I created a TikTok account for Prophecy Girls. It's Prophecy Girls podcast. Just to, just to have some fun and create some buzz around the podcast and to connect with all the Buffy fans that use that app. But... <laughs> A lot of the thoughts that we have on the podcast about Xander, I've been creating them into little seven second TikToks (laughs) and putting them Mm -hmm. out into the world to see how people react to them. And the reaction has mostly been so wonderful in terms of women coming together to agree and call Xander out and call Joss Whedon out for writing Xander this Mm -hmm. way and for inserting himself in Xander's character. And it's been really great. And so many allies out there, men too. But what's interesting is that the majority of the negativity that accompanies those Xander TikToks is from men. Men feeling like attacking Xander is attacking them. So they come in with these angry comments and they they can get quite nasty. And of course, like if they're an internet troll, sometimes I reply with something snarky, sometimes I don't. But I posted one video of my least favorite moment in season one, which is when Xander was peering at Buffy changing in Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. And I thought it was a funny TikTok. (laughs) It was so good. I loved it. Yeah. So just calling him out and making a joke was like, (laughs) men are stupid and I don't respect them. And that's a joke, meaning Xander. Like that's just taking Xander's behavior and saying this is inappropriate. And someone reported that video and had it taken down. And TikTok said mm-hmm. it was hate speech. And I appealed it. But in the end, they said, nope, this violates our code of conduct. And the video will not be put back up. And then also gave me a warning that if I continue videos like this, they will ban the account. So heinous. So I, I'm not going to let it ruin my day. But I did have to address the fact that me calling out this behavior, this heinous behavior from a man, and then in turn getting penalized is not fair. So what I think is the problem here, right, is, um, you know, these trolls are coming at you on TikTok. And it's like the fact that they feel they should be spending their time leaving these comments on these little humorous seven second TikToks that you're doing criticizing Xander that's why we have to criticize Xander because there are men out there who think that this behavior is acceptable. And I just, I want to make this really clear to people. And I think it's clear from anybody who's listened to earlier episodes so far. So I don't know why you're still listening if you disagree with us, but we're going to call this shit out, you know, sexual harassment, sexual assault, misogyny. Like we are going to call this out in the show especially when it comes to xander because he is like the central male character and as we've pointed out 
he's a self-insert for Joss Whedon. So now that we know what we know about Joss Whedon that we didn't know when we were watching this when we were younger, right. um, that makes it even more complicated. I will add, uh, I know that, Steph, you've been also getting some pushback from other people on TikTok or through other channels where they've left comments, you know, in defense of Xander and stuff mm-hmm. that have been more nuanced. And I want to say, like, we welcome that. And if anybody wants to write into us and kind of talk about Xander in a more nuanced sense, we're happy to have that discussion. Uh, when we say that we're just kind of like over uh, people, you know, coming after us for the Xander slander. Uh, by the way, shout out to Bridget Robertson on TikTok for the name. Yeah, she's, I don't know, <laughs> um, I, I don't think she invented that saying, but she, the first time I ever heard it was from her comment. So thank you. I yeah. love it. You're awesome. In my head, you created yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, you know, when we're talking about how we don't like the trolls coming as, as for Xander Slander, we are entirely happy to have nuanced discussions about Xander and masculinity in this show. So please bring us your thoughtful comments. Yes. But if your only comment for us is that because we're ragging on Xander, we hate men, mm-hmm. we're just going to ignore you or we're going to be snarky to you and we're not going to stop. The Xander slander is going to continue into season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we promise when Xander does good stuff, we will talk about it as well, right? There are definitely moments in this series where Xander is a hero and we will discuss that. Yeah. But, you know, speaking from my point of view as somebody who when I first watched Buffy um, and I thought of myself as a cis dude, you know, naturally I kind of identified with Xander a lot in a lot of ways, right? Because he was the character on the show who was kind of most similar to me. I also identified with Willow quite a bit because she was book smart and I was book smart. Um, turns out we had more in common mm-hmm. than that. But, you know, looking back, it's like Xander's a terrible role model for dudes. Um, and my attitude towards Xander started to shift even before I realized I, w- I was a woman and came out as trans, like, years back mm-hmm. when I was rewatching the series. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not cool. And that's what we're trying to do, right, is we're trying to put Buffy in the context of 2021 and how our culture looks at these actions in 2021, yeah. because these things are still happening including on spaces like TikTok, and they shouldn't be. And and hey, we sympathize with people that actually like Xander and want to come to his defense. I get that. It's hard mm-hmm. because the last 20 years, Joss Whedon, the media, everybody has been feeding you this idea that Xander's a nice guy. But at the end of the day, he's not a nice guy. And that's no. that's the problem. That's the confusion. It's like, okay, but he's like the stand-up guy who's always there for his friends and he makes mistakes and he doesn't have power, so it's hard for him. It's like, yeah, you can make these excuses for him, but why can't we raise the bar? And just because he does all these nice things, if you notice from what we've been picking apart over the last couple of episodes, he does those for himself because he expects something out of it. He expects Buffy to be his girlfriend. He expects Willow to be there for him all the time. So it's just, it's yeah. hard. And it's at hard. the end of the day, right, we, we shouldn't give straight, cis, white men cookies <laughs> for being decent. No. And, you know, for not looking in the mirror as your friend changes. Yeah, right? and, like, and like, it's not when the rest of us have to work so hard to be taken seriously. Yeah. So so I do, I sympathize with the people that come to Xander's defense, but it's just wild to me that a video that called all that out upsets mm-hmm. someone who, I don't have proof, but I can only assume it was a man. 
And if I were to further assume, I would say it was a white man. <laughs> because the only comments that are super degrading and angry and, you mm. know, think I'm the devil are coming from white men. So I assume a white man called the video out. It got taken down. So I posted a follow-up video that called that guy out for being fragile. But at the same time, just saying, hey, like men like you, men like that defend Joss Whedon just because you like stuff that he creates, you're part of the problem. And mm -hmm. I will add that in the comments of that TikTok in the follow-up, women are fucking great. They're so great. They come in, they hype you up in the comments, they defend what we're doing, they sympathize, and they're like, I can't believe that was taken down, it's bullshit. And I just want to say thank you to anyone who follows us on TikTok or who's seen these posts and spends time to like it or come in and leave a comment in defense of what we're trying to do and trying to dismantle the patriarchy. It's not easy and it's up to every one of us. Hell yeah. <laughs> and men need to help. And some of them are wonderful. Some men have reached out and been like, I can't believe it's so hard for men to just chill about stuff like this, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying there is an army, there is a community of amazing, amazing Buffy fans out there that get it. And they're right there with us and they let us know. And the ones that are still in defense of Xander or want to like his character, you have every right to do that. And we are here to listen to you. And the community allows for everybody's opinion. But let's just be civil about it. You know, like let's, we don't need to be so angry. Why can't we just listen to each other, I think, in the in the long run and not take down each other's posts <laughs> so yeah that being said like yeah come to tiktok <laughs> it sounds like a lot of drama but usually tiktok is lovely and fun and funny and leaves you laughing all day um so yeah so that's that's the tiktok drama but um i do i do love that we're building this wonderful community of other buffy fans that are embracing the TikTok, but also just really show why we're doing this, like why us as Buffy fans love mm -hmm. to talk about it, why there's so much to unpack and why people's passions are so high. Mm -hmm. So let's get to some of the questions that people have written in to us. Mm -hmm. The first one is from Catherine and she writes, Steph and Kara, I am absolutely loving the Prophecy Girls podcast. I wanted to write into the pod for your season one recap because I am a first time watcher of the show. I grew up knowing about Buffy, but I had yet to watch the series until now. As a 32 year old who doesn't really like sci-fi and vampires aren't really my thing, or so I thought, what drew me to watching it, you ask? Well, I am always a sucker for a strong female lead. Buffy is certainly a strong and fearless leader, and I love it. it is everything I could have imagined with the exception of Xander's character. <laughs> His good guy character leaves much to be desired. But hey, it's the 90s. I am so happy the pod calls out his problematic behavior. I'm yeah. yeah, Catherine. I'm here for the long haul. This show is shocking. Yes, killing off Jesse first episode was shocking. The endearing friendships. Willow is so sweet. <laughs> and a love intrigue. Come on, Buffy and Angel. They have to get together. <laughs> The vampires are really secondary for me, but I was really surprised by the number of other mystical events that were in store for season one. Eo, the praying mantis episode. <laughs> yeah. And the dead, literally so many dead. I probably didn't watch it growing up because I would have been too scared. 
and I will admit the mm-hmm. vampires are pretty gruesome, and I've jumped a few times. I can't wait for season two. Catherine, awesome. Love it. Thank you so much for writing that out. What I wanted to know always from when we began this podcast is would we ever catch a brand new watcher? You know what I mean? Because I think a lot of people that would venture into a Buffy podcast are very likely to have seen it before, like we have many times, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So we caught one. We got one. Excellent. We've got Catherine on the hook. Thanks so much for writing in. Uh, People who are listening to this and who are like, should I write in? Will they read it out? We absolutely will. Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) Um, We we want your, your feedback. We want your comments. Longer things, email us, prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com. Send us a little comments, message uh, our account on Instagram or whatever. Like, we're also on Twitter. I need more Twitter followers. I'm the one running the Twitter. And we've got like less than 10 followers. Come follow us. But yeah, so I like so many good points here, Catherine. Season one sets the tone for the show so well. And as Catherine pointed out, like, it doesn't pull its punches, right? Like, there are those gruesome monsters. There's dead bodies everywhere. It's not just high school as hell. It's like, this is a horror show. And the only reason that it isn't perhaps as obvious about it is because of that humor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think she also nailed it on the head. Like, we were wondering, was Jesse's turn in episode one surprising? She just confirmed it was surprising. She didn't know that he was going to die. And uh, I like that she pointed out a lot of the show was not what she was expecting as somebody who's not usually into sci-fi. So Mm -hmm. Buffy does it again. Buffy catches another one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Next one. Yes. So the next one is from Laura. Hi, Prophecy Girls. This one's for Kara. Kara, you said in your intro episode that you were asexual. So do you value intimacy or having a close relationship like a partner? Or is that not something that's interesting to you at all? How does that translate into how you see romantic relationships develop on shows like Buffy? So thanks for asking, Laura. I very deliberately mentioned being uh, aromantic and asexual along with being trans in our intro episode because obviously I'm much more visibly trans than my sexuality. So I wanted to put my sexuality out there as well because there's lots of other asexual or ace-spectrum people out there. And I want you to know you're represented. Right? Like, this is a Buffy podcast with an ace woman on it. So, hi. <laughs> so, for those of you who aren't aware, asexuality quite simply means uh, I don't experience sexual attraction to people, to anybody, really. Uh, there's, like, varying degrees of that. That's why I said ace spectrum people. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details here, but that's the simple definition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some good websites like the Trevor Project that talk a bit more about it. And also... Um, I, I have another podcast called We Just Like to Talk that I do with my best friend, Becky. And we actually did a whole episode all about my experience being aromantic and asexual. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Or if you just go to wejustliketotalk.com and you click on the listen link, you can go back through our archive for that. I will just put a, a quick disclaimer that that was one of the episodes we recorded before I came out as trans. So we do use my dead name in that episode. And just overlook that. We don't call Kara by her dead name anymore. Kara is Kara. 
Um, but I stand by the episode, so you can hear a lot more about me talking about aromantic and asexuality. Um, so as far as like me personally, uh, I don't have a romantic or sexual partner. I, I certainly have close friends, uh, platonic friendships. I have a person in my life, I call her my ride or die, where you know we don't have a, a physical relationship of any kind. I have no desire to live with anybody. I like living by myself. But, you know, there are people in my life who mean the world to me. But I'll point out that that is not like the only way to be asexual. There are asexual people who have partners. Uh, some ace people get married. Some ace people have sex and have kids because that's what they want to do. You know, there's nothing to stop you from having sex it, and or even enjoying it. It's just uh, we don't experience the attraction that maybe makes that easier. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I am personally. No partner for me. Uh, for me, intimacy is the the intellectual and the emotional connection you get from close friendship. So things like talking to Steph on a podcast or, you know, like I said, my ride or die. We hang out every single Sunday night. We started with Doctor Who. We watch TV together. We support each other uh, or my best friend, Becky, who's uh, I do the other podcast with. Like these are the people in my life that I am here for in the same way that you might be here for a romantic partner. So it's all like, it's so important to me to break down these barriers that put romance on top of friendship. And I, I commented on this in which, because we have a little discussion about the friend zone. So that's part of my mission here. You know, we're talking about like smashing the patriarchy and stuff. And it's like, you know, let's smash down this idea that romance is somehow better than friendship. I have nothing against romance. I don't mind watching romantic stuff. I just don't want it put up on a pedestal. So when it comes to romantic relationships in shows like Buffy, I mean, they don't do a ton for me. You know, you like you've heard swooning over Angel, both as a romantic and a sexual attraction, <laughs> right? Like, I think that's fair to say, Steph. <laughs> um <laughs> That doesn't that doesn't happen for me, and that I've kind of tried to comment on that, right? Like I can't tell yeah. if Angel's attractive or not. I don't know. Oh, he is. Um, thank you for confirming that. <laughs> um, and same with like female characters, right? I can't tell. I don't experience that attraction, but I still like romance in terms of like part of a story, mm -hmm. as long as it's not the only thing going on. I have deep and complicated thoughts about the Buffy Angel romance because it's such a central part of the show. And we'll get into that as it develops in, in the coming season. Buffy is an interesting show to talk about this. What they say at the end of one of the episodes, Buffy comments on how none of them are going to have a healthy relationship. Oh, I, Robot, you, Jane. Yes, thank you. And that's so true. Um, this is not a show where people end up being happy because <laughs> Joss Whedon wanted to torture them. Yeah. So as far as like the romantic relationships in Buffy, I think a lot of them are very toxic or they may start off really nice, mm -hmm. but they turn toxic in ways mm -hmm. because that's just how the writers use the romance to drive conflict in this show. So I think you're going to see me being very critical of a lot of the romances in this show. And so thanks for asking, Laura, because I can put this disclaimer right now. Like, when I'm being critical of these romances, it's not because I hate romance. It's just because that's the way the show wants us to view these romances. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're ripe for commentary, right? Like, that's what we're here exactly. to do. Exactly. <laughs> um, so great question. If anybody ever wants to ask more questions about 
my experience with Buffy and stuff, you know, being asexual and aromantic, being a trans woman, I'm a very open person about this stuff, you know, and if it's too personal, I won't answer it. But please feel free to send me those questions. Thank you. That was a really nice way to describe asexuality and your experience and what to look forward to in terms of <laughs> of bashing Buffy and Angel in the future, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I think Buffy and Angel's relationship is probably one of the uh, best relationships on the show. Oh, she said it! She said it, everybody! <laughs> there it I is! I I have issues with it, but in terms of, like, how the relationship affects the two of them, you know, the tragedy of their relationship really isn't their fault. No, it's not. <laughs> um, whereas I think in many of the other relationships, it, it has more to do with the characters being mismatched. So I will say that. Time will tell. I don't want to get too far into it because spoilers. Yes, yeah, time will tell. Um... So another comment from possibly the greatest Instagram friend that any <laughs> podcast could have, Slay Girl Slay, that's Slay, G-U-R-R-L, <laughs> Slay, who is Rob on Instagram, has quickly become our new best friend, and <laughs> we hype each other up, it's awesome. Go follow Slay Girl Slay on Instagram, because Rob is watching every episode for the first time ever. He's also a brand new fan to Buffy and he is Instagramming yeah. every single episode he watches and the summaries that he gives are fire like they're mwah, chef's kiss <laughs> I love them I can't wait to read them every day so Slay Girl Slay left a comment when I asked about season one ideas and he compared season one as a sampler pack Basically like a box of chocolates where like, oh, I'll take a bite of this, mm, never touch it again. Or you'll get one, like an episode like Angel, where you'll keep going back to eat it again and again and again. I like that. I was like, that's brilliant. That is the way to sum up season one in a nutshell. Season one is like yeah. a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I agree. Uh, okay, shall we finish off, Steph, mm. with perhaps the most important question? This came from someone on Instagram uh, who shall remain nameless. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's me. Yep. <laughs> um, if Stephanie and Kara were in a fight to the death, who would win? I feel like our listeners need to know. Do you want to go first? Do you want your to give your opinion first or do you want me to go first? So I'm I'm torn. I'm not sure we can really kind of decide this because I think there's good points in favor of both of mm. us. So... I'm a tall bitch. Um, I'm six foot four yes. and I'm wiry. And I think I, I've got, you know, my height is definitely an advantage on you. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I've got that going for me. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, I know you'd fight dirty. <laughs> I, I can be pretty scrappy for sure. Exactly. So I, I feel like I might have the upper hand at first and then you're going to do like the sand in the eyes or yeah. some other kind of devious I move. I, I my fighting style to Buffy where I'm very resourceful and I will use everything and anything around me to win and I was thinking about this question and I was like you know Kara like even you were showing off your figure in your hot little top earlier and like you are so tall and I think that you would definitely overpower me but yeah, I'm pretty scrappy. But honestly, as scrappy as I am, I'm also a big baby. Hmm. I do believe... I think I would put up a, a fight for sure. And you wouldn't leave unscathed. You would leave with something mm -hmm. bleeding. Like hair missing, possibly. But I do think you would Ooh. win. I, I do. I'm a, I'm a pretty big baby. Okay. 
All right. Well, maybe one of these days, maybe not a fight to the death, but uh, maybe <laughs> if we're, we're ever in the same place and able to get closer than two meters, yeah. uh, we, we can compare <laughs> our heights for our listeners and uh, see, see what they think. But Oh, they really want to know for sure. And I just want to add to before we leave that it is yeah. so hard to watch this show one episode a week it is torturous it is so hard to do this (laughs) it is and and yeah so just to be clear you know we've done two episodes a week for season one very deliberately to give you lots of content and to get through season one fast for season two we're going down to one episode a week and there's 22 episodes so it is going to take longer i think it's worth it Mm. And yeah, it, it's it's hard not to binge. It's so hard, you know. And I don't binge shows, but it's it's hard not to watch a couple of episodes in a row. Yes. But I I think you know going through one episode a week it gives us that time, like we said, to do that deep dive. And for me, the experience here isn't one of I'm rewatching this show just to have fun and be entertained. It's I'm rewatching this show and I'm reevaluating it for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I have you to thank for that, Steph. Oh, so, no, I. It's just so nice. It's it's been a joy. It really has. And we, me and you, talk about it this, when we're not recording. We're always like, "I'm having so much fun," but it's so true. Mm-hmm. And I'm I couldn't like I said this in our intro episode. I couldn't have imagined doing this with anyone but you. And that's why I reached Aww. out to you. Like we ha- this like we're partners, thank and you. this is so much fun. And I seriously cannot wait to start season two. Possibly the best season of Buffy ever. Hell yeah. And Steph is the one who's more active uh, managing our social media and stuff. But I'm around. <laughs> I'm especially I'm on Twitter. I'm running the Twitter account and you can find I'm very active on Twitter in terms of my social. So if anybody does want to reach out to me in particular, you know, I don't mind talking to listeners. I just am not as active running the social media accounts as Steph. So right. <laughs> just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you and we love that you're listening and watching along with us. Thank you so, so much. We will see you next week for the brand new adventure of season two. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you've got some comments, message us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.